Thanks for tuning in to Saturday Tailgate Radio, presented by Saturday Tailgate. I'm Ryan Palmieri, and with me my co-host Tom Bianchi, covering all things Big 12. Hope everyone's staying safe, staying healthy, as it looks like this lockdown is starting to wind down. And we're going to dive in today to the most hated team in the Big 12, fair to say, the Texas Longhorns. They just picked up a big, I guess you'd call it big. Big for them. Big for them. Transfer in the receiver market, especially losing two guys. Tariq Black is headed from Michigan to Texas. He's eligible immediately. I'll kick it over to the Oklahoma fan, Tom. What does this mean for Texas? Obviously, I hate Texas, like most of you out there. But, you know, I'm going to give him a fair shake. You know, give him a fair evaluation. Uh, I do think Tariq Black was a great addition given their circumstances. They have an extremely inexperienced wide receiver core right now. And Tariq Black, while he didn't necessarily uh, rack up like crazy numbers at Michigan, he does bring that experience to them. <clears throat> he was a four-star recruit way back when. And he's like six foot three and 215 pounds. So that's like, to me, when I think of a Texas wide receiver, I don't think of like a little slender you know, guy. I think of kind of a big, big brutish guy. So he, he fits the bill there. So that that's definitely good for them. But again, you know, he's a graduate transfer, so he's bringing that experience that they that they desperately need. And I know between Jake Smith, Brennan Eagles, they got to take over for two. They got two big roles to fill now that Duvernay and Johnson are off to the NFL. Now they had some experience last year, so it's not like they're coming in totally new and totally fresh. Despite being younger, they were top 100 recruits. And Tariq Black has a long injury history. We saw during his freshman season, he was, he, especially he lit Florida up early in the year. It was just kind of a lot of issues started to play out along the way. And then last year, not a great year, stayed healthy. But he also had Shea Patterson, who was a fraud. <laughs> the guy didn't get drafted. He didn't even get signed as an off. Uh, a fraud is putting it nicely. <laughs> he was a fraud. So... I don't totally fault him for having low numbers. I know he slid down the depth chart, one of the reasons it led to his transfer. The kid's got talent. It's can he stay healthy, and now he's playing with a better QB. I think we're going to start to see something here, kind of rejuvenation of his career. Yeah, so the the whole thing with the uh, Texas wide receiver core right now is they're, they're unproven. That's kind of the issue with them. So... I, I'm not the the three big names that I'm looking out for, and you know you've already mentioned them: Brennan Eagles, Jake Smith, and obviously Tariq Black. Uh, now Jake Smith uh, is a sophomore, and Brennan Eagles is a junior. Uh, they both of them had combined, uh, let's see here, less less than a thousand yards last year. So um, again, not a lot of in-game experience, but. Jake Smith was the former Gatorade National High School Football of the Year player. And then uh, Brennan Eagles had like a hell of a game against LSU uh, at the beginning of last year. So, you know, there there's some kind of flashes of some potentially greatness right there. But again, unproven. Same thing that we were talking about with Tariq Black. With the injury history and uh, playing with Shea Patterson, he's unproven. And that's kind of the narrative of Texas's wide receiver core right now. And just look over the last couple of years, you know, with little Jordan Humphrey when he was there and then Duvernay and Johnson when they were there. They have had solid receiver production. But on the flip side of things, you look at what Texas has put, I believe, two first-round draft picks into the NFL in the last 10 years. TCU just put two first-round draft picks last year. Or this, I'm sorry, the 2020 draft here. So I think another thing here is we keep looking at potential and these guys look like they're going to be solid and everything else. But the development in Texas, you can't really say it's been there. Yeah, absolutely. If you said that they could develop players, you'd be lying straight to my face. 
the uh, that's a great point. You know, bringing up their their past accolades is you know it's it inspires hope but at the same time uh when you talk about texas it's like okay what the heck does that matter because tom herman and the gang are are they going to make these guys worse i mean i don't know fortunately for these wide receivers they have sam ellinger throwing them i respect the hell out of sam ellinger i really think that if he was on a different team he would be a much better quarterback like like i think he would be a great quarterback if he was on a team that wasn't texas like Probably anybody. Right. That's what we covered actually in the last podcast was we're both big believers in him. It's kind of just because of the circumstances, got the short end of the stick playing for Tom Herman in Texas. Maybe the new OC comes in, shakes some things up. So I guess the real question, is Texas back? Just kidding. So <laughs> moving on, uh, kind of looking now at a different coach a bit farther north. West Virginia is putting together one hell of a recruiting class. Neil Brown shocked everyone in the last season his first season they weren't great they won five games but they actually you know they really started to put it together towards the end of the season there and now i believe they're currently sitting at fifth but they got a top 100 recruit they just signed a four-star lineman does neil brown looking back to his troy days in year two when he really turned things around and had a 10-win season can west virginia break into that top four of the big 12 all right, when I first read this, you texted me this question a couple of days ago, and I like laughed out loud because I thought it was like ridiculous. I was like, come on now, Ryan. I said, I'm a big, I, I, I like the Mountaineers, I like what Neil Brown's doing, but come on, this question is ridiculous. Now when I thought about it, it's not that far-fetched. So for me, uh, the top three in the Big 12 heading into 2020, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, and then Iowa State. Where's Texas for? Texas is four. However, we just talked about how pretty much unproven Texas wide receiver core is. I still don't know how the heck their offensive line is going to do because their offensive line was terrible last year. I'm talking about Texas, but I guess you could kind of say a similar thing for West Virginia. Um, well, that's kind of a misconception. West Virginia actually had a solid pass offense. I think they ranked in the 60s. It was a run offense. Yeah, that, that's true. That's, they averaged that's like 75 true. yards a game. So that obviously needs a, to be a cleaned up I don't know if that's going to get cleaned up but, but yeah so so back to Texas um and they and we talked about it last last week too a lot of turnover you know uh Herman pretty much cleaned house to you know kind of cover his own ass so there's all this turnover they don't have all the time to practice due to COVID-19 what the heck is Texas going to like people are, are thinking I mean my, my old man is telling me that Texas is going to win the big big 12 championship I mean I'm laughing at his face when he says these things but um now I'm thinking, can they even be a top four? You know, could West Virginia kind of sneak in and, and be better than Texas next year? It's not out of the question. I mean, the, the biggest thing with West Virginia, though, that um, I worry about is kind of the questions around uh, their quarterback. That and then kind of getting, like you said, getting down that run game. Like, even if their quarterback steps up, you, you have to be able to run the ball. Otherwise, you know, you're the quarterback's just going to get beat to hell eventually. He can't, no, unless you've got like a, I don't know, like a Trevor Lawrence or a Joe Burrow. And even them, they've got a great run game to support them. I, I don't think at this day and age that you can get away with just throwing the ball with an abysmal run game. You have to be able to balance it. The biggest thing I think with a quarterback situation is they went through three, I actually played four quarterbacks last season, and now the move to... I always pronounce his name. I was right. just gonna, Jared, I, that's, I didn't want to say his name. I was waiting for you to say it because I, I can't pronounce I believe it's it right. Jared Doge. 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 I don't know. Uh, sorry, Jared. Jared D. 
Jarrett D. Austin Kendall was the guy that started, and he was a transfer from Texas, the four-star. I'm sorry, Oklahoma, oh, the four-star. Everyone assumed was going to just, you know, come on, this is a Lincoln yeah. Riley QB. He's supposed to take over. But then he wasn't horrible. He just wasn't great. His QBR was around a 42, which is just below average. You look at the Texas game when they lost by 11, he had four picks. So they were in that game for the longest time. He just he kept falling apart. He couldn't do it. He was trying to do too much. And then when they moved over to Jarrett, Jarrett D, he cleaned things up. Now, he wasn't excellent. He wasn't right. lighting the world on fire. He did fall apart in the Texas Tech game. He only played in four games. However, his picks were way down. He had more touchdowns on average per game. His yards were light, slightly less, but his QBR was a 66, which is a vast improvement. Again, this is a guy who transferred him from Bowling Green. He only had four games. If he can build off of that, then and he can kind of you know turn this offense around because at the end of the day the defense was good and the defense returns yes, yes. most of their talent. Mm-hmm. The whole team returns most of their talent. So really, what West Virginia is missing is solid QB play and a run game. <clears throat> run game. I would even throw in there they're missing a real threat. You look at yeah, someone like, like a standout like so, so Oklahoma ha, ha, like last year had you know seeding land let's say you know this year o- Oklahoma State's gonna have. Um, Tylen Wallace, yeah, Chuba yeah, Hubbard, yeah, yeah. but now you look down the roster. Sam Jones, T.J. Simmons, they could be one of those guys. They could be, you know, someone that can take a game over. Sam Jones had a drops issue. George Campbell kind of was that guy. He had seven touchdowns last year. He was their deep threat, but he's off. He's gone. So, as far as West Virginia breaking into the top four, the Big Twelve is so competitive. You need some craziness. You need. The typical Mike Gundy to fall apart. You need Matt Campbell to kind of do what he did again, where he just doesn't quite break through. Would you, though? Because if you've got... So I've got Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma in the top three. Who's So that leaves top four open. Between Texas and West Virginia, to me, that's a coin toss. That's... I wouldn't I, well, I, I'm not going to... So I, Texas has the, the edge there. If I had a bet money I would probably bet on Texas to take that number four spot but you know that it's not out of the picture for West Virginia to be better than Texas next year it's really not are there any other teams that I can't think of any I would say that on paper if you were to say West Virginia could be better than Texas it's ludicrous because of the recruiting standing but again we just covered their development issues and everything else and the falling apart again I'm I personally think Texas puts it together in 2020 but I've been also saying that for two years now. Most people have. It's not your fault, Ryan. You have to you know, come to terms with it. And so you kind of look down the line now. I expect Baylor to take a step back. They lost Matt Rule. They lost a lot of talent. Charlie Brewer struggled to stay healthy. But at the same time, I could see them stepping into yeah, the top that's four. Um, TCU, did they put it together? Did they figure it out? Because you don't bet against Gary Patterson to fail two years in a row. I know they also lost a lot of talent. Does Max Duggan take that next step? Mm-hmm. It's really, for this to happen, you need one of the top four to fall apart. Probably Texas. Iowa State, they've been kind of struggling. I don't know if I want to say they plateaued, but we kept seeing, you know, growth, 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 and then all of a sudden it kind of stopped. Mm-hmm. It almost, you know, I think they lost one more game than they did the year before or last year. Yeah. So, I can West Virginia break in the top four? As crazy as that is to say, I would say yes, because I think Kansas is still the bottom feeder. I think Kansas State takes a step back. I'd probably give West Virginia a slight edge over Texas Tech and TCU. And now, I mean, I think they're right in the middle of the pack. 
And yeah. looking at Neil Brown's history of 10 wins, looking at how good their defense was last year, looking at, you know, it looks like they finally got the QB situation figured out. Looking at, they got some decent talent coming back at the receiver. They had a good, a decent passing offense. It's really assuming they take that next step. And right. it's something Neil Brown was able to do in all of his other stops. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think that it's definitely possible. And, again, I'll, when I first heard it, I'm laughing at you. And now I'm like, you know what, That's that could definitely happen. I don't know if I'm putting money on it, but I, I could see it happening. And, again, Vegas has them as a – their over/under win total is six. We'll get into this more next week, but it shows you where they are. They're in the middle of the pack because mm-hmm. I think Texas Tech is at six. Uh, Kansas State, I believe, is at like five. So yeah, so so really, anybody in the middle of the pack heading to me heading into twenty twenty could be top four because of how competitive this conference is going to be in twenty twenty. Right, because I mean, at the end of the day, I got, if I had to give you my top four right now. I would say Oklahoma, Texas, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State. Hey, my man. But Oklahoma State is the real dark horse here. It's Gundy always drops one that he shouldn't drop. But are they the dark horse this year, though? Because there's a lot of hype building around the fact that they have the best quarterback, wide receiver, and running back trio in the league. And I'll say... They're not in in the Big 12. Right, and I think it's fair to say because a lot of it hinges on what does Spencer Sanders do yeah Tylen Wallace is coming off a torn ACL and while the defense does return all of its starters they did rank like 70th last year Mm -hmm. so now they're going to make an improvement I don't see how they would unless like injuries or something along those lines but they're going to take a step forward I I just don't think they're considered a dark horse. I don't know. This is semantics now. To me, dark horse is like, oh, I don't see them coming. And then they do good. I mean, yeah. I guess when I say dark horse, I mean more along the lines of this could be a college football playoff team. Yeah. Or this could be a team oh, wow. that goes okay. eight and five. Yeah. And I don't know. That's kind of the whole Big 12. I think Iowa State with Brock Purdy, I think they have a chance. Big, big Iowa State guy this year. <laughs> I'm rooting for them every game that they aren't playing Oklahoma. So I'll tell you, though, I, I think they have a chance to be legit and go to a Big 12 championship game. At the same time, if you were sitting here a year from now and they went 7-6 and six or something along those lines, I'm not shocked because I don't know what to make of Matt Campbell. And it's kind of everyone outside of Oklahoma – I have that feeling for. Yeah. If Oklahoma goes seven and six, something went very wrong. But everyone else, it, it's just the Big Twelve. I, I don't know. I, I'm with you, except for that about Iowa State. Where if Iowa State went, you know, seven five, I think I, I would not be like, oh my god, I didn't, I completely didn't see that coming. But I would be shocked. I guess I would be shocked. Yeah. It's, just because of the way that this is kind of like Purdy reaching his peak, right? Right. That, and then I think Campbell has had. Uh, a, a great history before he came to Iowa State and then even when he came to Iowa State yeah last year we kind of saw it level off but that was the one year that there wasn't you know a, a big jump so I don't know we'll see and actually some of the big news this is more recently going on in the Big 12 Hazelwood actually looks like he's done for the year with a torn ACL yeah so uh, Oklahoma <clears throat> wide receiver Jaden uh, Hazelwood, according to OU Insider, tore his ACL earlier this week, and that's definitely uh, a hit to Oklahoma's. He would, uh, he's coming into his true sophomore year. So now I know Charleston Rambo was there. He's a solid receiver. He's the highest production receiver returning. Do you think Hazelwood was primed to break into that number one role? You, you know, 
not this year. Um, so I think that this is undoubtedly a loss. I mean, the kid was a five star. He was a number one receiver in the 2019 class. You know, he to me, he had all the tools to be the next Hollywood Brown, C.D. Lamb, but not in 2020. You know, I really think that no matter how much talent you have, for the most part, there's always those, you know, uh, those special cases like Trevor Lawrence who just come in and just tear it up right away. But I think for the most part, a lot of, you know, these kids need a year or two to really hit their their peak, especially with, uh, you know, wide receivers at, at Oklahoma. Oklahoma is outstanding at developing these wide receivers. I mean, we, we saw Seeding Lamb kind of, you know, he was good his uh, sophomore year, but again, peaked like video game like numbers uh, in 2019 in his junior year. So I think we were going to see something similar with Hazelwood. Uh, I think that he probably would have been on par with uh, Rambo this year as far as production, but I don't think we, I don't think we're missing out on like video game numbers this year. I think that that was probably coming the following year. Now with that said, I mean, I still think Hazelwood was going to be the number, the number two guy in 2020, the number two target. So you just lost your second, your number two target. That's going to hurt no matter what. Right. Now, what do you think this means moving forward, Spencer Rattler? Yeah, so I think that this definitely hurts Rattler more because, again, as I go back to I'm big on experience and having a year or two in the system working with people. Fortunately, Rattler isn't your standard uh, plug-and-play transfer. He did have a year to kind of get ready and get used to throwing to the guys and everything, and that's going to help him a lot. However, he has not really played a meaningful snap of football. So now you take so now it's all on his shoulders now. He's I think he's got all the talent in the world. I mean we don't need to go over his uh, his record his you know stats and all that. We don't in, in high school and where he was ranked. He's got all the talent, but now it's it's game time and you lost your your number would be number two guy. I think that this definitely hurts Rattler. Um, I don't think I was expecting him to be a Heisman candidate like some were, regardless, even if he did have Jaden Hazelwood. I just, as a sophomore, his first full year taking meaningful snaps, I don't see him be. I did not see him being a Heisman candidate. I still don't, obviously, now that Hazelwood's gone. Um, I think that he's still going to be a, a great Oklahoma quarterback, but I don't think we're going to. I think we're we're going to maybe miss out on some ridiculous stats and plays, but I, I don't think it's going to be like a detriment to Rattler's development or production. Gun to your head. Does playoff make uh, Oklahoma make the playoff next year? Oh, no, 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 because they need to play. So Oklahoma particularly, and I think this applies to other Big 12 teams, and I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast yet or not, but I'm big on the the last few years, Oklahoma's basically the way that they presented themselves in the playoffs, that's going to hurt them going forward. You can only go to the playoffs and really just get beat up on so many times before there's kind of something that, you know, gets a, that um, a kind of mindset that surrounds you when you enter the playoffs. I think Oklahoma needs to be undefeated for them to get into the next playoff. Or I, that's tough to say because there's so many moving parts when you talk about the playoffs. But basically, a one-loss Oklahoma team, it's going to be very hard for them to get in the playoffs, I guess, to put it simply. So you don't think this loss of Hazelwood made or break their playoff chances? Uh, n- no, I, I don't. I didn't see them getting in before anyways. Now, next year, that that kind of could have been 
a, a real great year for Oklahoma as Hazelwood would have would have had a, an extra year of experience. Rattler would have a year under his belt. This could have more implications on 2021 than it does on 2020. But it's Lincoln Riley we're talking about. He might go out and it's Lincoln Riley at quarterback you, wide receiver you, as far as I'm concerned. He can go out, bring in a new guy, and you know maybe this new guy that they bring in is going to be the guy that doesn't need a year or two to get ready to go. And maybe Theo Reese Jr. steps up, too. And maybe he becomes the guy I thought Hazelwood could be. I mean, he's a, he was a five-star. It's It'll be interesting to see. I don't think this is a detriment to the 2020 season at all, but it's going to hurt. Do you hear that? If you listen closely, it's all the Oklahoma fans getting fired up that you just oh, yeah. said they're not going to make the I can hear him. I can hear him from here, yeah. man. The Facebook comments have already exploded. So... I guess I'll leave with this then. I'm assuming you have them winning the Big 12 in 2020. Uh, absolutely, without a doubt. Without not, a doubt. Not a, not a doubt in my mind. Okay. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, for the Big 12 championship, Oklahoma wins. Handedly at that. Who's their one loss Gundy this year? falls apart in the big game. Who's their one loss this year? Oklahoma's always got a loss. Yeah, I know. Dude, I, I'm not even going to speculate because... I've looked at the schedule. I've thought about this question before. I'm not going to give an answer because last year, if you told me their loss was going to be to freaking Kansas State, I would have laughed. I mean, they're they're going to drop a game we don't expect. All right. You got anything else? That's about it for me. Perfect. All right, guys. Don't forget, rate, review, subscribe. We'll be here either the next week or the week after. We're kind of bi-weekly at the moment just with everything going on. So check us out on Saturday Tailgate. And if you got any questions, feel free to send them in. Thanks, guys.